Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sustainable Culture Podcast once again. My name is Jet. It is good to be back, as always. I love doing these episodes. Always a good time. How'd everybody do with the last one, speaking of? We had a return visit last time with PB Doodles or Bree. We got a nice, chilled-out opportunity to really delve into a few academic critiques of environmentalism and discuss those. We broke a lot of rules. We shared a whole bunch of notes. We stretched our little brains. It was a good time. And it might have rubbed some people in maybe the wrong way or maybe if not the wrong way, like a way they weren't used to getting rubbed. Okay, that's how that sounds. Uh, we, we reference Christianity and some ancient Hebrew text. And some people, you know, don't really like talking about that kind of stuff. So it, if that sounds like your jam, I would encourage you to check it out. It was a really, really fun conversation. Now, think way back to December 2019. A lot was different, wasn't it? The podcast was a bit different. And that month was when we discussed artistic expression with my good friend, Carrie McGrath. And it's just ridiculous that we haven't talked about art on the show at all since then. Two years. Seriously. Who runs this thing? So I'm thrilled that I got to sit with our next guest after what was almost exactly two years after our first art discussion. Jenny Hegstead is the founder and executive director of Emerge, which is an incredible collective art experience that we're going to talk a lot about today. Jenny is, I think, a total badass because she is the kind of person who reaches out to local artists who need a platform and says, hey, how can I help you do your thing? And I just think that's the coolest thing ever. And while humble about it, Emerge as an organization and as an art collective is a real working example of the philosophy behind being the change we want to see in the world. And by the way, we did record on site and they were switching up their gallery a bit during our talk, so there is some light shop noise here and there. Nothing to worry about. So without further ado, folks, let's get into our discussion. This is Jenny Hegstead on episode 23, Emerge, Fostering an Art Collective. Jenny Hegstead is on the podcast. I've been meaning to do this for like a long time. Little do you know, because because <laughs> when we got together and we started doing like events and stuff, it was just music rather than podcasts. So that's yeah. been a different version of me for a little while, which is interesting for me to kind of get back into. So so I just want to thank you for sitting with me. This is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to it, and uh, I'm just enjoying this little break from the 
from the chaos. And <laughs> you guys um, have had a pretty insane couple weeks. It has been very, very busy. And so it's super nice to sit here and have some tea with you. And Yes, indeed. Yeah. Tea time. Yep. I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get right into it here as far as about you, that kind of stuff. And just to kind of enter into this, because folks can find the Emerge website really, really easily. It's EmergeCDA.com. And on the website, it references your personal extensive history in the arts, bringing awareness to homelessness, it mentions, art installations, events, different other things like that. And so now you're heading what I consider an incredible art community. I'm wondering what events and experiences lead someone like you into doing stuff like this. Was it a collection of things in your life or was it maybe a sudden shift? I'm just curious how you ended up moving the direction you're moving. Yeah, so I started working in the arts uh, about 15 years ago. Kind of broke into it while I was going back to school for the for arts. I started working in a really small gallery space that a couple of friends of mine had um, had started. And so that was kind of my first experience that transpired to working for St. Vincent de Paul. They had an arts organization under their umbrella called Art on the Edge. And Art on the Edge served youth and women in the shelters and transitional housing and then eventually opened up to the whole community. And so I started out there working as a program coordinator. And then after um, a few years, I was the director and of that program. And that program was had so many beautiful moments um, working there, working with the people, seeing the positive effects of art mm. in people's lives and how you know, I knew for me that it was always kind of like a safe place um, to create art and be surrounded um, with that. But seeing how it could become that for other people that hadn't experienced that was uh, really meaningful to me. And I wanted to definitely continue to um, bring that mm. um, in whatever capacity or work that I was doing, but uh, it also led me to form a lot of really close relationships with artists and that were, so part of my job was recruiting artists that would share their talents and teach to, you know, to our students and in getting to know them, I found out that they were also then this whole other vulnerable demographic within our community and mm. that they themselves didn't have a lot of support you know they um sometimes you know some of the artists were struggling to get through school some were making incredible work but no one would show it mm. and um no one would see it they could only you know there's like the coffee shop venue um but but none of the galleries would take an interest because they didn't you know, didn't have that um, name under them yet, you know? Gotcha. And so, so they so, had nowhere to go, really, with their work. Right. And and so there's kind of this, like, a lower value that's placed on work that we see in coffee shops, right? And so mm. that was kind of, then they weren't having great results. And so, anyway, so that that is really was, like, the launching point for developing Emerge 
Mm. And so being able to have a place that one one building, one place where there was a gallery to support all these artists mm. um, and all this incredible talent we have here in our region, but then also have the arts education piece here too. So, you know, with youth and adult classes that people can access through that, you kind of learn other community needs and what this space can be for people. And so that it just kind of evolves from there. Right. Mm. And so, I mean, over the years, myself and my team, you know, we have felt really, um, we felt the importance of being able to support LGBTQ community, artists of color, uh, artists that we've been, we've been working recently on a program to support incarcerated artists. So there's, you know, there's just so many people that can belong here and yeah. feel safe here and feel supported here. And that's ultimately like the goal of Emerge. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that okay. here pretty soon, too. <laughs> Before that, yeah, I want to kind of pick up uh, sort of the, the next step of the story, if you will, the next chapter. See, I remember finding out, well, for those who don't know, first off, as a preface to this, who's, who may be listening to this, this is an Emerge's first location, <clears throat> and True. it is due to this massive fire that had happened. I remember, I think it, it was 2017, and I had just sort of started the catch you know, news of, of Emerge's existence. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this was right when I first moved back. So I started to kind of check out different events and I got just, I was just so impressed. The Ink Rally was one of the first ones that I saw and it was that August. Um, and I had not really seen Coeur d'Alene do something like that before. Like this whole outdoor, like with a steamroller <laughs> yeah. going over these prints. It was something that was really encouraging and hopeful for me, for me personally to see. I felt a tangible difference, like seeing that compared to you know like years prior of me being here in Coeur d'Alene. I think this we're talking about seven or eight years separation. So it was just a really totally new city that I had come back to and to see. Mm-hmm. And then this big fire happened, and I forget was that 2018 now or 2019 that that I think it was 2019. 19. 2019 that that happened, and Heart City was in the same building, Tattoo, Schmidt's. It was a big deal in this town, and obviously, I don't need to tell you that. (laughs) Right. So I'm wondering, because I I just never seen a community light up around an event that had, a tragic event that had happened like that before. There were community events that were happening. And so I'm I'm wondering if you could share with us a bit about what the experience losing that whole, that building, and what all that was like for you, and how you kept things moving while all that was going on. Yeah, I... Well, that was a really traumatic day for sure. Um, I was actually kind of sleeping in because it was Martin Luther King Day, mm. and um, oh my gosh, was the, it? I didn't even. Yeah, remember. <laughs> we had the day off. I had the day off. My husband, who always gets up earlier than me, he <clears throat> noticed that my phone was just blowing up, and then people started blowing up his phone because they couldn't get a hold of me, and so. He he is the one that came in and um, to wake me up and let me know what hit, what was going on and so roughly what time around I woke up I mean that was probably seven in the morning but mm. the fire started in the middle of the night and there were people that tried to notify me 
you know, probably like at five in the morning mm-hmm. or so. Um, the woman that was working for me at the time, she came down in the morning to, you know, probably at seven to kind of see what was happening. Mm. And we got a call from the fire department and and found out that our space, they had actually stopped the fire. They were pretty sure they had stopped the fire by then. Mm. And they had stopped it. it. Our space didn't actually catch on fire, but it had... Because um, it was at the far end of the building that it started, and they, the fire department, was able to remove almost all of the artwork out of the gallery and save it, which was amazing. Wow, I didn't even yeah. know that. That's cool. But we had, it was um, they let us in to get really, you know, crucial items out um, that could be further damaged by the water that was pouring down from the ceiling. Mm. So. You know that, and just trying to realize what was going on, but just also like rip out all of our equipment and you know those things at the same time. It was it was so unreal, and yeah. um, and you know emerge was then in this really unique situation because our space wasn't damaged. We didn't know what was going to happen with it. The building owners, it took a while for them to decide what they were going to do. So we didn't know, you know, but but we did see that immediate rush from the community. It was crazy. I mean, we had put out a call, like, if anybody can come help us in an hour or two hours, I remember what it was, to pull out that equipment, you know, yeah. all of our pottery equipment and all those things. Um, you know, we'd be so grateful. And we had, there were probably like 20 people that showed up and we got everything out lightning fast. And, um, so nothing else was damaged, you know, as far as that goes. And, mm. and then from there, you know, just the community trying to, um, raise funds and support all the businesses that were, were lost and so yeah so that was that was really cool to see you know that take place and but yeah from there you know it was just it was so strange because we had yeah we had the fire Mm -hmm. we were able to set up a temporary office in the human rights education institute Mm. um shout out to them that was awesome and and so we were there. We ended up leasing this space. Mm. And like a week or two later, COVID hit our community. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> so then everybody's going, you know, things are shutting down yeah. and the lockdown's happening and we're trying to navigate. I didn't realize started. the timeline matched oh, up like that. It was so wild. But here we are. Here we are. At the end of 2021. And I... And the space is gorgeous. It's... We have this beautiful location and space where I just feel grateful for every day. And we get to do so many more things here because of it. We have so much more visibility Mm -hmm. and people finding out about us easier here. Uh, But what I wanted to say was, you know, we had a vision. We, when I say we myself and the board of Emerge and staff, you know, we all recognized 
that the previous space was not going to work for us mm -hmm. long term. We needed more classroom space. We needed more gallery space. We wanted to have this retail space. We had a vision for that. And um, we kind of put it on the radar for in five years. Let's, <laughs> let's hopefully start looking, you maybe, know, and try, maybe in five years, and try yeah. to figure that out. And then um, the fire happened. Yeah, the universe was like, nah. Yeah, I didn't set the fire, but <laughs> right. it was... You did. <laughs> let's, let, let's let that be known, folks. Yeah. Jenny didn't set the no, fire. No, it was a faulty heater system, actually, we found out. At the end of the oh, business at the other end. Um, but there would have never been a year that we could have done all of this shutdown, remodeled a building, you know, taken a year to do that had it not been for the fire and COVID. Mm and end up with this space so i mean don't get me wrong it was the most crazy complicated you know stressful time to go through but now we're here and it it's all for the best you know so i, I can only imagine on your end how chaotic that must have been because when i looked through the instagram i was trying to remember like <clears throat> see if there were any pictures of it on your Instagram yeah like last week and I was just sort of browsing through and when I finally got like there's a lot of Instagram posts to sort through so when I got there I was just blown away how many more posts happened right right after that pop-up shows you guys were doing at other places and yeah so you even had places to go to host stuff yeah we had uh, we did that a little bit um, again I mean it wasn't long like only two and a half months until COVID so we didn't do yeah, that a wasn't... ton of that, but we did host a couple shows at HREI, and um, and then we continued doing what kind of you know art classes we could. And COVID brought a whole new wave of like, you know, learning how to pivot. That mm. was the word of the year, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we're either gonna it's sit kind of the here, word here yeah. and not have any income which was so stressful but or we're gonna you know we're gonna reimagine and um innovate and do new things and so we started renting our pottery wheels out and then people would um they would jump online with our instructors and take classes online from their homes which actually was super cool that is and, cool yeah and people were you know we're still able to reach people remotely and then we were doing that with printmaking and other art forms and then um having um artists do live sessions just demos or talks that people could go on to once a week we have a really an artist randy palmer a local artist that he's really popular here and I've definitely seen um, his art he around. he always ran a once a week open draw at emerge oh, okay. and so he during covid started doing that online and that was really fun you know and people could share with everybody what they're doing and so you know there's there's ways you've got to just keep trying to find them to reach people yeah. and keep you guys people, were innovating like keep crazy. people engaged and <laughs> yeah. it was so we were although we were all you know stuck at home working mm -hmm. working there we we're still felt like we we're together and reaching our people and um but yeah so this and then this remodel took 
um, 10 months, and we opened last May. Was it that, that recent? Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I guess just a lot's happened in a short time. I know. Time. <laughs> I know. It I seems like it's been back. Doing. I was like, I really shouldn't have tried to do so much. This is why we're so tired all of a sudden. <laughs> like, whoa, that was a lot. Well, but, so, you know, that, if I may, yeah. unless you had more to say, yeah. I don't want to stop your thought. That whole experience, I mean, the, the topic at the center of it all was the community involvement. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of blows me away about that whole experience, or, or at least the event itself, because mm-hmm. I didn't experience it. But just witnessing all of that stuff happen. And then after that, seeing more ink rallies and like more events and things like that. I see so many of the same people all the time. Like yeah. I'll, I'll go to different events and there's this core community that is very visible and is yeah. very, very very um, tangible for lack of a better word. So me personally, I get that feeling of safety inclusion as a musician, like in that sort of way. Like Mm -hmm. I I feel this artistic warm bubble (laughs) here. And that is, it is a really cool thing to uh, see other people share that experience. And so I'm wondering if you expected this kind of response to your space when you had thought of this and if you even consider it your space anymore at this point. I mean, I definitely, I work hard so that Emerge is not just mine, that it's everyone's. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my goal. You know, that being said, I mean, my story is definitely part of Emerge's story. Yeah. And, you know, and that story being that this is what I wanted when I was young, you know, that wasn't here. And yeah, Yeah, this is like that need that you were talking about. Yeah. And I think that is the special element to Emerge that's different than just walking into a commercial gallery space, is that we're not just, we aren't just about selling work. You know, we're about allowing people to truly express themselves and be themselves here in this space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll see that like through the exhibits and being more conceptual, boundary pushing, just giving the artists those opportunities and not lock into them into like just this is what sells you know yeah but the other like the community piece of that is it's really equally important to have the piece where this is a place that we can hold events and anyone can come and feel welcome and feel a part and feel like these are their people because it it you know we are that it is their place mm-hmm. that's again like going back to my upbringing was something that was very much lacking in Coeur d'Alene there wasn't that there wasn't anywhere to go you know we went over to Spokane and there were a few things kind of happening over there but I always wanted to see more of that here in Coeur d'Alene because I think that there's so many young people that grow up here and as they get into high school all they crave is to leave yeah. And I love Coeur d'Alene and I love our community and I want to give reasons why it's worth staying for. And, you know, we need to, we need to give people that and like what this is, our community is so worth investing in and being a part of and education wise, you know, set aside because we, it's, it's limited in how far you mm-hmm. can go with that here. 
but then come back, you know, (laughs) go out, get the degree, come back, you know, we need you. Like, this is like this building to me and, and it's, you know, success story so far is like kind of, it just makes me think of the, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. That this is yeah. that happening, and it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. I awesome. mean, I feel like it's a heavy statement to take on, but well, I... <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I've always feel like that too. I have thought of that. There was a time when both my husband and I felt like we were about to embark on big, big changes for in our careers, and we were looking at other cities and mm. other places to move and then you have to kind of sit with that and then decide like okay or we can start creating that here yes you know that for him that food scene and for me and the arts community and scene like wouldn't it be so much cooler if we could bring that to court lane and mm-hmm. you know or this area and so that's what we decided to do and work at that you know the time and i mean we're still we haven't we never feel like our goals are like completely met. You know, we're still working at that and still trying to get there. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep watching. We're, I'm I'm interested to see where things go because it's only it's only gonna keep going. That's clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely taken on a life of its own, a life yeah. like apart from me, which is so great. I mean, there are. It's, it's like you had a little bird in your hands and just set yeah. it off, and it's flying. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going off. in great directions. We have so many new things that we're working on for 2022, and the people that are working on them, you know, they have that ownership over them, which I just I love seeing. And now, I mean, emerges is so much more than my vision you know it's this collective vision now and which is only going to keep it like really new and exciting mm-hmm. right too Slightly switch. This is kind of okay. referencing a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Regarding the community that a couple questions ago regarding the, just the community activity around Emerge. Mm-hmm. So this season we've been exploring a lot of the rules behind community and what makes it what it is. So we've kind of been having fun with just picking it apart and redefining it and using different thoughts to kind of redefine what makes a community member too. And so what struck me about emerge that is that homeness feeling that home that bubble i was mentioning it's and how it's you know shared (laughs) collectively by a lot of artists beyond a physical place so you guys have that other building and then now you're Mm -hmm. here and and it it it's not like emerge has ever been like yes emerge is a physical place but there's something to that sensation of that belongingness that homeness that people just kind of feel regardless of the space and so I'm curious, what what have your experiences with all of this with Emerge taught you about what defines a community? Uh, I think that's such a good question. I think that we've all been thinking on that so much this year. And um, I feel like there's so much battle and fight over this is my community, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, they, <laughs> yeah. and saying 
justifying, you know, this this way of thinking or this stance on this thing. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of this is my community, this is my America, this is my whatever. And there's such a strong um, ownership around it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I think that those statements are made because people want to belong and they want to belong to a greater whole. And but yeah, what does that really mean? Mm. You know? And I think for merge it means acceptance. It means freedom of expression mm. and without harm. Yeah. And I see so much inclusion it, too, just to add that one. I, yeah, I see a lot of that. Yeah. Definitely the inclusion piece, you know, I think there was a conversation I had recently with somebody that didn't know how I, what my stance was on a certain issue and said, well, they wanted Emerge to be a neutral space. Mm. And I thought for a moment and then, you know, and I said, no, we're not. We're not a neutral space. That's not what this community needs. This community and being part of this community for me is being a place that says we're not neutral when it comes to hate. That's not acceptable for us. We're not neutral when it comes to excluding people Mm. uh, based on their gender, on their orientation, on, you know, any of these things. No, that's not something I can be neutral on. Mm -hmm. And so there's... There's all these, like, communities within a community always, and that's emerge. That's where we start is kind of, like, the community within the greater community. And hopefully, you know, what we're building here keeps transcending outward and affecting others. And they see that the things that are happening here are really for the you know, the greater good of the whole community, yeah. not just the people that are being active here. I really like what you said about the neutrality thing. It's, it just makes me think, it's almost like an over-glorified position these days. Oh, I'm, a neutr- I'm neutral. Yeah. And I've heard it said many times and I've gotten more and more sort of like just playing with this, this idea. So it's interesting that you mentioned how you can't really be neutral if you're going to take a stand against certain no, things. And I said, That's not a neutral position. Yeah. I mean, I just think with, with everything that happened this past year, even, you know, as we look back on, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and the height of that, we wanted to be here and, and we wanted to respond, but we wanted to just put it out there to... A couple of black artists that we had been working with like mm-hmm. hey we can support a project if you want like we will we'll provide the resources we'll provide you know a space and we'll do this you know and so um so we ended up creating this really great interactive piece on the side of our building before it was open because we didn't have oh. an open building <laughs> yeah. that people could come and um it was an interactive in. piece yeah and um and it's funny because going back to community, mm. so it was Izzy and Gabe Green mm. that designed it. It was a, kind of a response piece. So they had written, you know, what is Cordelaine mm-hmm. to me? And their their hope was that people would reflect on like, yeah, what do we 
what do we want our community to be and look yeah. like? And so... What stances um, are we deciding to take? You yeah. Know? yeah. So that was really important to them. Um, we had a very varied response. We were doing it mm -hmm. days before people started holding up on the street with guns. Yeah, I remember and, that. And, um, you know, there were a couple people working um, here that were afraid that it was going to cause people to break our windows or do, you know, whatever. And it was just, it was too important to us to not, like, let them have that platform right downtown, kind of in the midst of what was happening. Yeah, but you guys were right in fray of where all that was yeah, going on. Yeah, it was insane. Um, but that that's <laughs> yeah. just... You know, that's just one thing that kind of a bigger example of, no, we cannot be neutral. That's not our place. Hmm. Um, our place is to keep pushing for what is right and what is good in this community. And yeah. again, hopefully like that keeps spreading out yeah. from here. And um, which I think that I think that it has. And I think that it doesn't mean that all people that interact and emerge think the same no we don't we definitely don't want that but we want to be it does mean like in the context of a safe place is we can have conversation here mm -hmm. you know we can talk about those things without the fear or the tension or you know making people enemies yeah all of <laughs> yeah. that you know put that aside have discussion because that is how change takes place totally that's good you know, those are all good things, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really intense year here in Coeur d'Alene trying to figure out what community means. Seriously. <laughs> well, and that's part of the reason that I, I tend to talk about this a lot yeah. because Coeur d'Alene is just a really interesting case study, I think, yeah. for, a, you know, a, a changing, morphing community. I think a lot of people are still figuring out how to identify what the heck it is at this point because of just so many demographic changes in like yeah. a couple years. Mm -hmm. So to move on to the second part of this question, as I briefly mentioned a second ago, there's a book too that I keep referencing this season too. I, Braiding Sweetgrass, that book. In the book, she she talks a bit about, she, she also in her own way plays with the idea of community and she kind of more points it at members of a community. Like how do we define what constitutes a community member? Like is it... Why does it have to just be human beings? And she, and she spends quite a length of time opening this topic up. It's fascinating. And she brings in a lot of indigenous stories about how it was a cultural, in, in many different cultures, mm -hmm. it was a cultural practice, just a thing you did where you acknowledged anything from the salmon to the cougars to the trees to these bushes like elderberry bush or the sweet grass itself. As it is a living being, thus it deserves a lot more respect than, than we've grown to sort of see in the, in the westernized sort of, I guess you could actually say colonialized world. And so I just found that so fascinating. Like the, the concept of, you know, walking up to a plant before you harvesting it, introducing it, introducing yourself to the plant. Hi, how's it going? You know, this type of idea. Yeah. Isn't it a beautiful day? You know, just enjoying this existence together. I thought that concept was so beautiful and I just, it was jarring for me because coming from this colonialized mentality, it's different. <laughs> it's a lot different. So I'm just enjoying picking this question apart and uh, I want to kind of include you in this too. And so feel free to approach this one in as pragmatic or as abstract as you like. 
what do you think that would look like, that kind of a society? I mean, what other, what kind of mentalities do you think would change? Have as much fun with that question as you like. What, what do you envision if we had this like collective reverence? Uh, one, while well, I don't think people would eat meat anymore, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I guess there's the, there are a lot of people that think that, or, you know, they kind of include that practice of thinking mm-hmm. the animal thinks we're dying so I can eat you. Um, it's true. But it's which true. is, you know, a start. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I, um, are, you, are you vegan? I'm not a vegan. I'm not even full vegetarian. I okay. do eat fish sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I'm just curious, <laughs> slowly phasing out of that because it just bothers me more and more. So, yeah. um, definitely can't eat octopi cause they are practically human. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I just don't, I, I think this is a really interesting question and fun to talk about something else that I think about besides emerge. Um, because I've been thinking about this like a lot lately and thinking about, you know, the octopus and squid and then these new studies that have just come out about um lobster and crab and their level of feeling and it's really interesting to learn about um so i've been trying to read as much as i can on that lately but there's been these studies uh for a long time now but on animals grouping them by their level of feeling and they so what they've found is humans included that some feelings um are just physical and then some feelings are you know emotional gotcha and so now there's all these and so there's been restrictions that have taken place for how certain animals can be harvested Mm. kind of in response or you know depending on what their feeling levels are and so now they have found that lobster and crab and definitely octopus and squid they feel emotionally um, so they feel terrified terror they feel terror yeah and um so so i i think it was virginia don't i don't want to be quoted on that um, yeah. But it's okay if I am because I'm wrong sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think that they were the most recent state to outlaw like uh, boiling live lobster. Also, oh, it might be Virginia, but we're not quite sure. Yeah, I have to look that up. Yeah, so you can fact check that yeah. later, but <laughs> for me. But anyway, all of that to say, you know, go crazy on looking into all of that because it's super fascinating. Yeah, um, I hadn't even heard and, of that. Uh, I just think. Well, what was the really interesting question at the um, end of one of the articles that I was reading was, mm-hmm. you know, how do we then decide who is, or, you know, how are we giving this animal hierarchy uh, right. to these ones are just here to eat, and these are amazing specimens that we can learn from. Yeah, where does the line? And because um, <laughs> all living creatures obviously feel pain, mm-hmm. and every it seems so. According to this study, like every ten years, they're discovering new animals that feel fear and 
feel or terrified or these things. And so how long is it going to take us to include all living creatures in that? Right. You know? And that's just like, I don't know. I, that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Exactly what I'm wanting yeah. to talk about. That's amazing. So, I mean, to circle it back around, animals should not be eaten and they should make art. <laughs> I love it. So animals, this is a, a I, casting call for all the animals out there. To expand our community, I will include 100%, the members. 100% <laughs> host a show here with animal art. I'll play music for it. Yeah. Already yeah. gonna do it. Then, yep. Especially okay. if it's puppy dogs. Oh. Already agree. That'd be cute. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I have to say about that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I have been fascinated with where different guests have gone with this question, with this sentiment, mm -hmm. because there's different fields of people that I talk to. And I mean, you know, I'm talking to someone from the art community right now. Not that long ago, I was speaking to a fish biologist who was educating us all in the salmon situation in Idaho. And his answer was obviously very similar like he, he was talking about the salmon quite a bit but yeah you know it's just interesting i get a lot of similarities yeah. with answers but i also get i just love getting the yeah the where your brain goes with that That's because cool. i think people want that inclusion more than we realize that's yeah. a th just a personal theory of mine I, I, but I, but that's what i'm observing and i i think that most people really enjoy that and inclusion. i think that <laughs> people are becoming just more and more open to those yeah. concepts yeah. I firmly, I, I mean, definitely believe that. I say firmly, but I mean, I guess I, I do really believe that like eating animals now we treat animals is part of our like evolutionary process and mm. we're evolving away from that. And we see that, you know, it's, it's just not a need. Yeah. We have all these anymore. choices now. Yeah. Yeah. So much more educated on like how to put foods together to get our nutritional needs mm -hmm. outside of you know, animal products. So it's, we just have all of that. There's no reason anymore, you know, to, mm -hmm. to do that. But I know that's a personal thing. I live with meat eaters and it's mm -hmm. fine. You know, we cohabitate and still really like each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's always been a subject for me. It's always been, you know, something that I've, I've thought on and mm -hmm. um, I just, I find it, yeah, particularly interesting. So, cool question. Thank you for approaching that with me. Yeah. So, so I know you got places to be, and I want to respect your time. Thanks. So, just to end all this, I just want to ask you if you could tell our listeners. We know the website is emergecda.com. Yes. Um, how can folks get involved, and uh, you know, how can folks find out more about Emerge and get mm -hmm. get get going with that? Yeah. So, um, so the website, our social media, Instagram, Facebook. Merge CDA, so find us there. It's a great place to quickly, you know, see what the next thing is. And there's a lot of things. Yeah, if you go on our <laughs> website, you can um, easily sign up for our newsletter there, and and then you'll get direct emails on classes, events, gallery shows, all those things. What what do we have next? We have Friday. Well, I don't know when this airs, but we're gonna have our next <laughs> gallery show. Um, Mind on the Horizon is opening this Friday, um, December, what is this Friday? The oh, bummer, 17th. we're going to miss it. Oh, okay. 17th. Okay. So in the past, well, there, there was an event. Well, or come in after that, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's 
in the future, but also in the past for you, listener. Um, but yeah, you this can is a weird s- vortex working yeah. right now. It's pretty cool. You can still stop into the show. Um, we have a lot happening. A lot happening here. So. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks again, cool. Jenny, for thanks, joining Jet. me. It was Thank awesome. You. Have a good day, Love everybody. It. Bye. All right, guys, that's going to be it for us this episode. On the shorter side, but we'll be back with a new one on February 25th. It's right around the corner. And hey, if you are enjoying the show and you are an Apple listener, please do rate and review the show. It really helps bump us up on the old list. I would love that. Share us, talk about us, get us out on the interwebs. All right, guys, I've been Jet. This has been the Sustainable Culture Podcast. I'll see you next time.